0: Through Courageous Conversations, The Third Thing Podcast brings you helpers and healers who started out somewhere else and through life-changing experiences, added something new to their lives, creating a third thing, ushering in a fresh passion to generate healing for themselves and others. I'm Stephanie Shockley, your host, and you're listening to The Third Thing Welcome to another episode of The Third Thing. I'm Stephanie Shockley, your host, and today's guest is Holly Rainey. Hello, Holly. Hi. Holly is an intuitive healer, tarot reader, and yoga instructor. She has 500-hour certified yoga alliance and has studied vinyasa flow at Laughing Lotus and advanced training at Yoga Works. She's also certified in both restorative and therapeutic yoga. In 2015, she received her Reiki Master Attunement. Holly uses her skills as a teacher, healer, and student of life to help students connect to their own divine wisdom.
1: I'm so glad you're here. Thanks for having me.
0: And um, you're in my fancy um, recording studio at my home. It's my uh, clothing closet. (laughs) (laughs) you and I were laughing when I asked you to come on the on to do an episode with me and I think we were talking about how you do these podcasts and you're like the life of the pot of the podcaster
1: oh yeah I sit on my bed because it's the softest place in my house I think that's so cool I mean you have to just kind of
0: you know you're you're interviewing people in person you're interviewing them remotely it's you, you kind of have to just do what you do you to, roll to, with it. to get an episode. <laughs> um, well, I kind of like to start with asking people, like, wh- where do you draw your strength when things get tough? Or or what's your spiritual, religious background? I mean, any anything you want to say about that. But I think it's just a good way for us to kind of see where people
1: I guess, get their spiritual connection. Mm -hmm. Just dive in deep right right from the (laughs) (laughs) get-go. Well, I didn't really have a religious background. Um, Growing up, I went to Bible study. That's really all I remember. Um, But to me, it didn't feel spiritual. It just felt like learning history. Uh Um, And... My spiritual practice really started on my own when I was a teenager. And I started reading books about Zen Buddhism. And um, it just continued to deepen from there. Now I have a much stronger spiritual connection than I ever have. And my toolbox is much fuller than it's ever been. But really where I draw strength from in difficult times is through prayer Um, through connecting with my guides, with my guardians, my angels, my ancestors, and asking them for strength and support, um, in dark, like dark times, it's usually me with a crystal in my hand and, um, calling on, yeah, my, my spiritual crew.
0: And I love all that. You you saying that it's made me think of so, of so many things, um, Did you have some ancestors that were influential in your life that...
1: No, um, I actually didn't really include my ancestors in my work until recently, maybe the past... Three or four years, um, and not from like a living person, but more through healings that I had done with my teacher and mentor telling me that my ancestors were coming in um, to support me, and um, they are ancestors that I never would have known from about 10, 15 generations back. So the women who were healers long, long before. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah, when there was more of a matriarchal uh, setup, and so these there was are a the,
0: matriarchal setup.
1: <laughs> I know, right? Thousands of years okay. ago. Okay. Um, so <laughs> these I still are feel the like ancestors. we're in a very <laughs> patriarchal oh, world. Oh yeah, and so even when I work with my ancestors, I call in. I'm very specific about calling in that long ago 15 generations um so that I know that I'm working with um these these healing practices that were ancient
0: oh I love that can you tell me you mentioned something else about crystals and I think some people don't know why we use crystals and what crystals are about so can you
1: Talk a little bit about that? So, I started working with crystals um, really around the time that I started studying Reiki. Um, They were a big part of my teacher's practice, and she would always have different crystals around, and sometimes she would gift them to me or place them on my body during a session. Um, And to me, you, I mean, you can read a lot about crystals and, like, the properties that each crystal has. Um, well,
0: and the idea with crystals, right, is that they hold energy mm-hmm. because they're from the earth, and that's why you're using them in healings, correct?
1: Exactly. So, to me, crystals are a great way to connect with the energy of Mother Earth mm-hmm. and to feel that support that she offers through these stones. And, um, yeah, I, I also have a pretty strong connection with the chakra system through my studies in yoga. And so, um, the crystals can really correlate with that. And just looking at the color of each crystal and the color associated with that chakra, that makes a lot of sense to me. Mm -hmm. And that's how I really resonate with them.
0: Well, and, and now that you're talking about this, it made me go back to, the, not, not really the first question, but when we're talking about alternative healings, I think sometimes it's off-putting to more traditional um, religious beliefs, mm. like Christians sometimes, well, it's like, I don't understand this crystal stuff and Mother Earth and and... How they feel like it's maybe uh, it's sacrilegious or something mm-hmm. can you can you speak to that a little bit and how because I don't feel that way at all i I feel like all spiritual principles are really the same, so it's just another way of us understanding what we believe
1: I think that religion has lot of rules, right? But spirituality doesn't. And at the root of religion is spirituality. Um, It's it's about faith, you know, it's about believing in something outside of yourself. It's about believing that we're all connected in some way, whether or not you choose a traditional religion or your own, you find a religion that you resonate with. Um, I think if we look at the connection of of that all being just faith, (laughs) all being that this understanding that there's something more than just us, that we're not these like isolated, we're not an island. Um, I think you can find that, but then there's always going to be politics, right? Where they say like, this is the only way. Um, it reminds me of a question that was on my yoga when I was applying to be a student of yoga at Laughing Lotus, one of the questions on my application was like, "What would work, quote unquote, better? Um, you know, praying for an hour or crying to God on your or crying for an hour on your bathroom floor?" And it's just like, aren't they the same? same. Yeah, they are the
0: same. Mm-hmm. They really are. And when you when you said that about. At the beginning, about the religion having rules, it's like religion is man made. Mm-hmm. Spiritual principles are universal. way beyond that. They're yeah. universal, exactly. And I think that's the difference. And that's not poo pooing religion because I think that's a foundation for many people. It is for me. I mean, I, I associate as a Christian, so, and I introduce all these other things that have helped uh, bolster and support my growth and my faith in god mm-hmm. um you know i think at first when i first was like oh i gonna go to a tarot reader i'm like oh you know, but it was like no that just that's just a compliment to to my religion and and what i believe not something that's going to tear it
1: apart yeah and i think that you know we can we can create rules and structures around our spirituality, but it puts us in a box. Um, and when we can open up to, you know, tarot is just, it's just another way to kind of work with what's happening inward. It's just a, a tool that we use to reflect our experience of being a human being (laughs) on this plane and, and what's, what is our light and what is our shadow? Um, so to me it's it's just another tool like like meditation like you know like singing like mantra like prayer like anything else i would use like journaling
0: Thank you that's Um when did you first become interested i know you said that that like maybe as a young teenager you started studying buddhism and how did you become interested in that where did that come from
1: I like I said yeah I grew up without a strong religious background so when I started reading these principles um, something really clicked for me in that like I could find this peace within that I didn't have to you know go to a church and find God um, somewhere outside of myself that, um, just a simple act of, as one of the books I was reading was called, sit down and shut up, like just sitting down and shutting up, um, could lead me to a sense of connection, to a sense of peace. Um, and I had a lot of trauma in my childhood. I grew up with parents who were addicts, um, I grew up in an environment that wasn't super stable. So finding. So you're seeking. Yeah. This I stability was, and this mm-hmm, grounding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even if you look at any of my charts, whether it's like astrological or like my Ayurvedic makeup, like I don't by nature have any earth in my chart. Um, so grounding and working with my physical body um, and like, the idea of embodiment was really interesting to me always.
0: Has there, has there been anybody that's been just a really inspiring to you around this or something that you really connected to along the way
1: that so many people (laughs) I've had so many teachers that were just inspiring to me. Um, And I'm so grateful to, I have been able to like move to a city like New York where the spiritual community was huge, and I was able to draw inspiration. Um, I worked at a at a big yoga studio that had six or seven studios called Yoga Works, and so there were so many teachers there um, that I was inspired by. Jillian Pransky um, was the first teacher to introduce me to restorative yoga, um, which is now what I specialize in teaching. Um, Mona Anand is another teacher who taught, um, at a studio called Ishta, which was the integrated science of Hatha, Tantra, and Ayurveda. She opened me up to working with the nervous system, to having a deep understanding of the chakras, to understand Tantra, which is the, the movement of energy through your body, which I believe is like what led me to Reiki and then I met my Reiki master, who was an amazing inspiration to me, Deborah Hennekamp. and and I met my Tarot teachers, who are um, even much younger than me, but opened me up to another. So once you started, it just started mm-hmm. unfolding, and it just yeah. opened
0: up more and more and more, which is oh, that's beautiful. I'm thinking when you're talking about that and being in New York. Well, now you're in Nashville, Tennessee. Yes. What's What was that like? Just in general, <laughs> I'm just moving without even doing this kind of work. But moving to the South, from, yeah. and I don't know where you were raised. And then um, how has this been received here?
1: Way better than I ever expected. Um, Nashville has been a challenge. Definitely. It's different. I I grew up in the Northeast. So, um, you know, I, I was only a few hours outside of New York city. I went to college in Rhode Island. So I've always been a new Englander. Um, but Nashville was the city where my partner was born. He lived in the city for 17 years. So he was kind of ready for a change. I really wanted to have my daughter on the farm. Uh, in Summertown with the midwives. And oh, yeah, in Summertown. Yeah. yeah. Did you do that? No. So we moved when I was eight months pregnant, and then she, I went into my water broke like a week after we got here. Um, so I had to be rushed to the hospital, and uh, it didn't happen, but <laughs> I decided to, we decided to stay anyway. We were gonna kind of play it by ear. And I thought to myself, that I would have to go back and start here again with yoga because I didn't think the Reiki and the tarot would really, I didn't think the South would really be ready for those practices. But the thing that I have done most here is tarot readings. I've done so many events, so many,
0: many more than I did in New York. And that's how we were introduced to each other. Mm -hmm. I guess somehow my daughter, Massey, was introduced to you maybe from a work situation that she was in and I actually met you at her birthday party where she had you come and do readings for the guest. Mm-hmm.
1: So you do a lot of that. So many. It's crazy how and it it's so interesting to me the the way the South just was like it wasn't even just like doing these one-on-one readings. It was like, oh here's this girl that does this thing and it was it's always at like I do birthday parties, wedding parties, bridal showers, baby showers. Well,
0: the South is very inviting yeah. and very
1: um, communal. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's
0: it's like, come one, come all. And I'm you like, know, wait, a-
1: you want me to read tarot at your baby shower? Okay. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> That's really kind of cool. I know. <laughs> How does that go? <laughs> it's great. And it's always just like a great group of women and you know a few men once in a while and yeah it's just it really also pushed and challenged me as a reader to get better (laughs) at what I do and just like being able to dive in and do you know maybe sometimes 10 20 30 different readings in one evening and and it's like okay throw the cards down and then get really efficient with how to read them. Because you've only got 10 minutes.
0: I know. And is that hard with a a lot of people?
1: It depends (laughs) on where. Yeah. So I've actually decided going into 2020 that I'm no longer going to do um, larger public events, uh, especially out at places like concerts and bars. Um, It's just too much energy. Yes. And uh, (laughs) it's just a boundary thing, a personal boundary thing. But I'm grateful that I did it when I first got here because it really opened the door for me to meet a lot of people and really grow my business. Um, So, yeah. So,
0: I don't really know a lot about tarot, personally. Mm -hmm. Um, And I know that's associated with, do we call that? practical magic or is that part of practical magic? And, and I think when a lot of people hear the word magic, they think certain things. I know I can. Yeah. (laughs) Um, can you go ahead and debunk that for us and let us know what what practical magic magic really
1: is? So practical magic is a term that I use on my just like on my Instagram and I, I, and I use it on my podcast, tarot talk to describe what I do. Um, and I use the term practical because after having a, a baby and my daughter's three and a half now, I feel like I was forced to make my magic more practical. No longer did I get to have leisurely two, three hour practices. No longer did I get to, you know, just go out every weekend and take yoga workshops. And, um, my magic had to become Practical in the way that I could incorporate it into my life (laughs) in quick and easy ways. And so sometimes my practice is 10 minutes a day. Sometimes I have to include my daughter in it if that means like setting up a ritual bath. And, and, you know, there's crystals and there's herbs and there's sage, but there's also Wonder Woman and Spider-Man and Batman and my two-year-old in there with me. And so uh, practical magic is what I kind of adapted into my life when I became a mother. So magic in general. Um, magic to me feels similar to what we were saying about spirituality. Like magic is faith, right? Magic is the belief in um, that all things are connected. Magic is, um, the one way that I, I read it this week was through, um, an Oracle deck that I use, uh, that was created by my teacher Bakara, And, um, she said the first form of magic we all used was our imagination. Um, so you know it's our ability what is our imagination it's our ability to create something in our minds and and make that reality you know for us um and so yeah magic means many things to me and another thing another kind of card in that deck is like magic is either everything or it's nothing you know we can't Well that's what we say about God. That's, it. that's yeah, what a lot of us exactly. say that God is everything or nothing. You so can't pick it, the good it's... and say that's God but then the bad is I don't know, I guess some people do say the bad is the devil, but I, <laughs> I don't well, believe
0: Well, and as a, uh, as a Kabbalist, a student of Kabbalah, we say it just all is. Mm-hmm. It's not good, it's not bad, it's not anything, it's mm-hmm. just, it, it, it is everything, and it is God. Um, yeah, I like that, and God is mystical and beautiful
1: and... Magical. Magical everything that that's what we're doing i'm like if you believe in god like you've got to believe in magic if you believe that like a man created this place or whatever not a man but like a a god um then you've got to believe in a little magic if you can look at nature and what nature does it's very um, magical isn't it it's beautiful Mm -hmm.
0: and wonderful and Yeah, I just think it's so, it's so hard for people that have learned a certain way, again, what you were saying, opening ourselves up to looking at things in a different way. Yeah. And I think that's kind of what all these things do is just help us. You know, I couldn't understand, um, I didn't understand God until I got into a 12-step program. I don't, I don't know why. Mm -hmm. Because it just helped me. It was just, sometimes I think we, we need other ways of looking at things because we all understand things a different way. Right. It's like a lot of people have different learning styles. Yeah.
1: And And I think that's what
0: this is. It's like, okay, I, I, uh, connect to yoga or I connect to something where somebody else connects to something else and it's it's just offering another way to look at life and
1: another lens another perspective
0: right mm-hmm. right um so how do you I've had a, two readings from you and I know you blend tarot and psychology because
1: that's
0: yeah can you tell can, can you tell us how that
1: works and so i mean i wouldn't say i blend psychology well, yeah, okay. well i but, guess i do but i'm not a psychologist i'm not i'm not trained or studied as that um, but i do i've read a lot of books on psychology i have been a student in that i have worked with a therapist since I think it was 2008 my brother committed suicide and I started seeing someone and she really helped me to work through so much shadow and grief Um, and I still work with her to this day and I would say like what psychology does is it gives me language um, to apply to tarot so when I'm looking at a card like the devil. You know, if you look at the imagery of the devil, and this is one of those cards that's controversial and why people may think that tarot is evil or a cult. It is a cult, but it's not evil. And the devil doesn't represent this, like, negative entity that exists outside of us. The devil represents our own shadow. and. You see the devil is a, a devilish figure with wings um, and then Adam and Eve standing underneath him and they're they're chained to him. Now, the lovers is also Adam and Eve, right, in the Garden of Eden, but they're under an angel instead of a devil. And the lovers is about um, freedom within union. It's about the balance between the give and receive of love. And you look at the devil and it's about... Um, Two people being chained to each other. So, what's the word for that in psychology? It's codependency, right? And, and so, it exists
0: with all of us mm-hmm. in, in some ways. I mean, and it I might mean, not be. In, I'm, I'm. I'm. I've had to work on my codependency. I went to a codependency counselor for a long time, and it's still alive and well. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and it might not be with another person. That codependency might exist with a substance, right? It might. It might come through as addiction. Um, it might come through as your attachment style, right? But but this is something that we all have, and at, in its most simplistic form. In its most simplistic language, I can say like, okay, what are you chaining yourself to that's not good for you? Um, but psychology helps me to go a little bit deeper, and it just gives me more advanced language because the tarot is about the human experience, and it said that within those 78 cards and all the combinations and all the reversals and all the spreads, like that it can explain the entire human experience. And so in our light and in our shadows. So like psychology is the study of the mind. It's a study of, of the way that we think of our ego, of our perspective. So to me, they really go hand in hand together. Um, If that makes sense.
0: Yes, it does. And I'm just thinking there are two sides to us, right? Mm -hmm. We definitely have a shadow side. And I think what, what, you know, kind of from what I do as a therapist, what gets in the way, really, is just trying to push that shadow away. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what I try to do in my practice is to have some awareness about it so we understand it more. So we know kind of how to act, react to it in a different way when it rears its ugly head. <laughs> um, because I think that's where our suffering is created, by pushing it down. And I hear you kind of saying the same thing. We're looking at it and seeing... We're bringing Seeing it that it light. exists, we're putting light to it, and we're saying, okay, well, let's have some awareness about it, and maybe, huh, can I make some choices to do some things differently?
1: Absolutely. And when I found tarot, it was li- literally the answer to the question in my mind. It was, I kept saying as a yoga teacher, like, I'm, I love the, the teachings of yoga, Um but there's not enough darkness in it. Like, how do I teach the yoga of darkness? Um, And then I found the tarot, and and there it was. There, There it was. And that's why I was able to connect with it so quickly. Like, within six months of being introduced to it, I was giving readings. And it was like the cards spoke directly to me. I didn't need to study them as deeply. The language was already there. The archetypes were... Um, something I had known and recognized. These archetypes are universal. Like, we all have the ancient wisdom of this symbolism. We know it. We recognize it. Something deep within us knows, sees a pentacle, and, like, has some kind of reference. Um, I think there's so much
0: in us that we don't tap into that we don't, until we start looking at these, that we don't know how much we understand
1: yeah and how how and much?
0: how 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 deeply um, our bodies speak to us like I lost my life partner several years ago, and I can just feel things in my body, or I'll just have this big wave of grief, and I won't you know I'll be like, what's going on and I'll look on the calendar, oh. That's the anniversary mm. of this is the day of the death or this is mm-hmm. the you know it may be a different month but it okay he died on March seventh so it's December seventh it's the seventh mm. or it was a Tuesday it's a Tuesday I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know you know all these things are there that I don't know but our bodies tell yeah. us
1: what's because what's our what's bodies going on. are made of I don't know what is it like seventy some it's percent seventy percent adult
0: seventy percent water
1: and then water holds memory.
0: So yeah, that's and that's I've, I've, up um, of and it it she'll be a guest on the podcast. Uh, she does Tibetan uh, singing bowls, mm-hmm. and that's the healing with the and the big principle is there's seventy percent
1: yeah water in our
0: bodies and how that healing. But I never thought about the memory piece with the with the water and how how impactful that is and that healing.
1: Yeah. And the singing bowls are like creating resonance, you know. Yeah, like, and like, vibration. Mm-hmm. That is
0: that, and and we can change, we can change matter through vibration, and mm-hmm. that's, that's that's a whole nother.
1: No, when people ask me about sound healing, I'm like, you know, right. it's vibrational because I use sound healing in my my Reiki sessions. Um, oh, you do. hmm And sometimes, like, I'll use a rattle, or but often I just use my fingers. I snap. I hit, I, like, use different, um, just, like, I just use my hands or I sing or chant to, like, break up energy or sound, with sound. Um, when people ask me about it, I'm like, you know they use sound sometimes in Western medicine, um, to, like, break up kidney stones. That's right. Yeah. It's a healing technique. If you want to put a Western spin on (laughs) it. Well, and uh, I
0: think there's a th- there there's a thought that some of this stuff is just kind of woo wooish and mm-hmm. and not scientific. But these ancient healings are very scientific. It's yeah. not. It's not woo woo at all.
1: Mm-mm. No, when you like, you it, it's can it's study physics. physics. It's, yeah.
0: right. It's um. So it's really it's really not. So it's it's. I think I think Western medicine is getting
1: better. <laughs> yeah, and I think scientists are some of the like most magical people <laughs> out there because they're believing in something like right. based on theories, not based on reality, not based on material things that are right in front of them. They are like discovering things that are have not been discovered. This is all based in magic, right in faith. Um, in faith that they're believing in something unseen intangible
0: exactly and that's just faith right Mm -hmm. Um,
1: Reiki what is Reiki so Reiki is a Japanese system of healing it started in Japan with a man named Usui Um, and it was said that uh, like Buddha Buddha he kind of went into a cave and meditated for 21 days. And then after 21 days received a download of this energetic system of healing. And then he continued to, uh, you know, he started to practice it and, um, had disciples and started to, um, heal people around the world. And, um, it was brought to the West through Hawaii, uh, mm-hmm. through a woman actually in Hawaii named Takata, and now there are you know thousands of Reiki practitioners, um, and it's hands it's it's hands on healing. Um, if you want to be more scientific about it, you can say that it is the kind of pass of energy from the uef the universal energy field into the pef the personal energy field which is also referred to as the aura um and me yeah, because
0: I, I i'm an auric healer which is a little different than reiki because i studied it in a different way yeah and a lot about the emotion and and the emotional system which is a lot of the sh- chakra yeah, yeah
1: exactly and in reiki we do use the chakra system as um i balance the chakras um and I do apply a lot of that. They work together perfectly um, because chakras are energy wheels and this is all about the movement of energy. So when I'm offering a session, I am really just a conduit. I am not actually like, the healing energy doesn't come from me. It comes from the universal plane. So it just passes through me. And so when you learn Reiki, you learn how to open your channel to be a conduit for that energy.
0: There you go. Because we as healers cannot heal if we're not healing ourselves. Exactly. Right? I mean, we can't help another person.
1: You can only go with someone as far as you're willing to go on your own. So... Um And it always works that way for me. So if I'm working on my second chakra <laughs> and then um, I'll come to kind of a place of balance, I'll have an epiphany around it. Uh, and then for the next week, every person that comes to see me will have a second chakra imbalance. It's just. Oh, well, we say
0: we're a day ahead of our clients. Exactly. Right? I mean, they kind of come with, you know, it's, it's almost like what I need to hear too. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're having wherever two or more are gathered,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, we're all there working this together. Right?
1: Absolutely. It's like, I'm no, I'm not much, <laughs> much further ahead than anyone else that's going to see me. And like, that's the beauty of it is that like, I don't seek these people out. I don't, you know, they just, it's like they find me and (laughs) they are going through something extremely similar to And you're supposed to be together. Yep. Mm -hmm. So it's like an energetic thing where like. They feel called at whatever time and moment, and that's the way my work has always been. I can't, as much as my ego wants me to be able to push my own agenda on what I offer and how I offer it, um, it always comes through in the way of, like, people find me when they need it. Now, you have a podcast, Mm
0: -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And it's called Tarot Talk. Yeah. Tell me what you do. What what what's the what are you offering on your podcast to your listeners?
1: Yeah, so Tarot Talk started as a way to just connect with my audience um, to kind of give them a little taste of like what tarot is, especially because, like you said, there's so much kind of stigma around and taboo around um, tarot and and what it really means. Uh, and I thought that if I could. Um, help and offer so it started as me offering readings so uh, someone could write in and ask a question and I would pull a little spread for them and do a little Q&A um and that you know Ideally, if someone is working on something, it's going to resonate with someone else out there working with something similar. So I thought the advice being offered could potentially help others. Um, But then I also started giving a full moon and a new moon report through a spread that I pull for The Collective. Um, And that's been really, really fun to read um, for The Collective because I've spent so much time doing more one-on-one. And... I think in the past like three or four months, I started also doing interviews with other healers and tarot readers and um, just trying to introduce my audience to um, some of my teachers and some of the people that I respect in the industry and have learned from.
0: Well, it's really fun to listen to because I listened to it and you had a really special guest on there one day. That happened to me, my daughter. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's been fun listening to that, but I I really do enjoy your podcast.
1: Um, You also do a mentorship. Mm -hmm. So that's, yeah, that's how I met Massey, your Mm -hmm. daughter. Um, Well, I met her at at her work where I was actually offering tarot readings. Mm -hmm. Um, and then we did our mentorship together. So in the mentorship, I found that a lot of people were looking for, um, like more guidance. They wanted to learn tarot. They, they wanted to learn, they would come to me for a session I would do like Reiki and tarot with them, maybe a chakra healing session and then offer them a lot of tools and like yoga and different meditations and things to do. they wanted to learn more about all of it. Um, so the mentorship is really just a way for me to work one on one with people who wanted to learn uh, Reiki and tarot and about crystals and about moon ceremonies and about, you know, a plethora of things. So I kept it open so that the my students could kind of pick and choose what what they wanted to really dive into and I was able to cater it to them specifically rather than just saying like okay Reiki attunement over here tarot class over here crystal class over there that's neat yeah
0: yeah so it's really personalized Mm -hmm. to what they kind of want to learn and I'm sure they get exactly what they need right
1: exactly and it's just like when a person comes in for a Reiki session and they need a second chakra balance it was like the people who were drawn to me were ready to have a deep dive were ready to do some like big personal healing on their own and they got to find all these new tools for which to uh, put in their toolbox to go through that experience
0: so so you you offer a lot of classes and like a new moon ceremony mm-hmm. and um, solstice and equinox. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, so most of my teachings are uh built around a return to ancient. Traditions and like we were speaking earlier about ancestors, and like when there was more of a matriarchal culture, and um, when we all look to nature as our guide. Um, So for me, moon ceremonies are a way to connect with the natural rhythms that exist within all of us. And I think being in a patriarchal society for so long, we think of time as really linear and we value productivity so much. And what we're really lacking is this feminine energy and um, the moon is feminine energy and following the cycles Mm -hmm. of the moon is our like circadian rhythms is you know this idea that well, it's rests. The
0: tides. It's the it's the it's and we're water. made of water. Mm-hmm. And so
1: exactly, <laughs> farmers would use the lunar cycles to plant seeds at certain times to harvest during a full moon to plant seeds during a new moon because of where the water is in the soil because it's affected by the gravitational pull, right? And so the water is low in the soil. Again, this is very scientific. Mm-hmm. Exactly, <laughs> um, and even days when you can many farmers would use um, not just the almanac, but um, an astrological calendar. So when the sun is in an air sign, this is a time to plant flowers. But when the sun is in an earth sign, this is a time to plant potatoes and root vegetables. Um, So there's, there's so much there to be said oh, wow. about. I had no idea. Yeah. And then even I'm going to offer a class next month about the second chakra, which is our water center and how we can um, learn more about the the menstrual cycle because it's four phases, just like the moon and how they correlate. and um there's because just,
0: that's the pelvic area, mm-hmm.
1: right? Yeah, and so there's so much there in the way that we can use this, um, these two systems and bring them together. Um, and then the solstices and the equinox, these are earth holidays. And I, not only are they powerful in an energetic way, but they're universal. <laughs> we all live here on earth. And we all are affected by the seasons, regardless of our race, our religion, our culture, whatever. Um, and so to me, uh, celebrating these is, a, is a, just an expression of, of community, right? Of accepting that we're all here as humans living on this planet. So there's a lot of unity and community in celebrating these more natural holidays. Is there anything
0: else that I may have missed that you really want to share with us about, about what you do? There's so much. I know.
1: <laughs> There's so, so much. I'm like, we could talk all day. I know. Um, I think at the core of my work is um, not just the return to the feminine energy. And that, that's not, and by feminine, I don't mean female. Um, I mean the feminine energy that exists within all of us.
0: Well, there is a feminine and masculine energy mm-hmm. to to all of us and to everything.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, yes. And I think that the feminine has been suppressed for a long time. And um, that we haven't, It's it's become very difficult to see the value in, rest in receptivity in passivity Um, because this isn't just a reward for productivity this is a part of life and it's where our wildness comes from it's where our creativity comes from it's where play comes from Um, it's not just dark and shadowy right but when we suppress our shadow we also suppress Um, the kind of light that comes with that. Um, And so at the core of all of my teaching is just this deep longing for connection. Um, It's something that I've been seeking for my whole life. Um, I think we all want it. Yeah. Whether we understand that's what we want or
0: not. Yeah. I think some people maybe don't understand that that's what they want is connection. Yeah. And they even work toward not having it in a way, in the way they respond to the world, but that's what they're seeking.
1: And I think, you know, I mean, we just had a new moon in Aquarius last night, and Aquarius is very much looking at the collective about universal themes, and um, it's connected to technology, you know, and I think as we advance technologically, there is both connection, Right? Through social media, through having all this information at our fingertips. Yeah. And even doing this podcast, right? Mm -hmm. But there's also a disconnect. So, like, the way I heard an Aquarian witch describe it just recently on a podcast is like, taking it from URL to IRL, right? And so, like, we have to be able to, IRL meaning in real life, right? <laughs> and so, like, so how can we now use this technology to find more connection in real life, right? And, like, because it can cause a disconnect as well um, because we're always on our phones. <laughs> well, I heard an interview
0: with the um, with the person that created the Calm app, mm-hmm. And his idea was, you know, instead of fighting technology, let's find a way to join these together and how can we use technology to help us
1: Yeah. Find be more calm presence. And... Yeah. right. Find you, more... you know,
0: because it's here. It's yeah. not going away. We yeah. can't make it we can't make it go away. Yes, we can go and retreat and we can we can do things like that, but it's here to stay. It's not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that would be unrealistic to think that it's going to go away. It's yeah. Not. It's not. And it's only going to be something either wilder or crazier. And there was something you were saying in all of that that I've heard two or three times. It is being being still mm-hmm. or being quiet so you can hear. You can or, listen. And you can listen. And that just reminds me of um, be still and know.
1: Mm-hmm. And I also think that, um, and this is the last thing I'll say (laughs) because I could go on and on, but, um, you know, we've become so nuclear, like our, our family units, you know, are very nuclear, but I, and in this sense of like longing for belonging connection, um, there's this like, there's this remembrance of like tribal living when we lived in community, when we, um. You know, as a mother who's trying to work and support my daughter and my, um, and like, I there's this longing for like the ability to like. You know, know that there are other humans around so that I can deregulate my nervous system and take a nap, right? But we don't do that. We expect people to do it all, right? So like, women are supposed to like mother their children and also have full time jobs, and like, I I think that like it it's, kind of pride it creates, ourselves on that. Yeah. But the
0: more I can do, the better I am, and mm-hmm. that's just not.
1: But we're all disconnected and stressed and burnt out, right? So like. To me, a lot of my work with like the ceremonies and the ritual, um, it's bringing people together to heal. And I think that's something that we miss. We miss healing as a community, healing in collective. Like you, you talked about AA, like that's community-based healing. Like my moon ceremonies are a place for people to come together and hold space for each other. Like I think this is something missing um, that I know I've been looking for
0: think you're right
1: (laughs) thank you holly
0: thank you this has really been fun and informative (laughs) i've learned a lot i know
1: thank you for having me
0: i'm glad you were here um if you want to find out more about holly and what she does i think the easiest way to do that would be holly d yes yeah because you can find everything there even your podcast and the podcast is tarot talk Mm -hmm. and you can get that on probably
1: all the channels all the channels Mm -hmm. okay and my instagram is the same holly d ramey and i post pretty much every day a tarot card for the collective and um just all my stuff is there
0: and i'll say your visual is beautiful Thank I mean you. you're beautiful your visual is beautiful <laughs> <laughs> your art is beautiful it's really fun to follow you on social media because it's 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 pretty and fun even even I'll say so much that my um, my daughter gave my grandson a deck of animals spirit cards I think just they're so beautiful Yeah, and for him to just kind of be introduced to that
1: for sure how old is he he's four um my partner and i have been like working behind the scenes to make an animal deck for kids oh that's
0: awesome okay well there you go there's your
1: motivation it's right there i'm like cool if he likes that then maybe (laughs) yeah you got it received yeah (laughs) thank you holly thank you
0: This project would not be possible without the help of my son, Addison Armstead, who composed the intro and outro music, my son-in-law, Scott Greer, for the logo he designed, and my friend, Amy Christiansen, who wrote and edited various texts to the show. Lastly, I want to thank you, the listener, for whenever two or more are gathered in my name, there I am.